0: Downloading this podcast from the Freedom Center Church in Preston. It's good to see you all this morning. Uh, we are currently in a series where we're kind of working through some chapters of Jack's book which is this book. If you've not read the book yet, I think most of us are probably either working through it or read it or about to start reading it or something. But we're spending a few weeks not kind of going through the whole book, but picking out some chapters here and there and kind of um, expanding on them and delving into them a little more deeply. And this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at the chapter, uh, starting with the chapter, which is growth through teamwork. So that was chapter five of the book for any of us that have uh, not got there yet but it's growth through teamwork and i just want to encourage you if you've not yet started this book i, I just really encourage just hearing different people's uh, stories just talking to a few different people just about not even necessarily about the book necessarily, but things that are happening in people's lives where there seems to be a theme in different conversations that I'm having where God seems to be pinpointing some things in people at the moment, things to be starting again that they've stopped, things like dreams, visions, passions, goals, things like that that might have just gone a little bit stale, a little bit dry. There seems to be a theme from lots of conversations that I've had that God seems to be um, just poking them a little bit at the moment. So, um, And I think shows to me that this is a book for the time. I don't know how much of it is Jack's written this and then that makes this stuff happen and how much of it is the season. Uh, Jack just wrote it and it's ready for now for the stuff that's happening. I'm not sure which way things work but um, God's doing things at the moment in growth in our lives and in the church and this morning we're going to look at growth through teamwork. So we're going to open the Word in a few minutes but first of all just want to just set the scene a little bit. That um, on one level, on a big level, uh, the the the, um, the life as a Christian following Jesus, on one level is a really individual thing. There's loads of passages in the Bible where it says things like, um, "Like choose this day who you will serve." There are things like this where it's a very individual thing that we need to decide for ourselves. It can't be our parents. It can't be our family. It can't be our teachers. It can't be our pastors. But we need to make decisions for ourselves. That no one else can make about how we want to live our life. Things like, um, a lot of the, the the what we call the spiritual disciplines. Things like prayer, um, fasting, worship, solitude. All these kinds of things. They're things that we kind of got to do for ourselves. No one can. Um, learn about God for you we can learn from people but in the end we all need to have our own relationship with God we all need to have our the own way that our own prayer life our own way of opening up the word and we need to as we grow into maturity to be able to feed ourselves that thing in in, there's these sorry I'm going to use a quick football metaphor it's just come to my mind I don't usually do this. Now these football players that are brilliant in training. They always say they're brilliant in training. When it comes to match day, they're not very good. That's what this thing seems to be like. We practice it, it works, and then when it actually comes to game time, it kind of just goes funny and odd on us, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, so it's an individual thing that we need to um, be able to feed ourselves. And, and Christian maturity is being able to pick up this book for ourselves, read it for ourselves, be able to feed ourselves and be able to whatever happens in life. Because sometimes things go on in life where you do feel lonely. You do feel like no one else understands something that maybe God has put on your heart. There might be time when you're in work and you're the only person who is following Jesus. And there are times where you feel alone and you, we need to be able to have a faith that stands by itself. Jesus said that people will leave you we need a faith that in one way is very individual and it's about us and it is about God but on another level on a really big level following Jesus is about a communal thing it's about a group thing or as we're looking today a team thing It's a team thing, something which we do together. The scriptures, many of the scriptures in the Bible were written, we read them so often as like for me, like this is about me and about my things and what's going on in my life. But actually most of the letters in the New Testament were written to a group of people, to a church, for them to be able to read through together, to listen, to to wrestle with, to live out together as a church, as a body, as a team. In the Old Testament, God called Israel to be a people who showed the world what he was like, the way that they lived their life would show the, the rest of the world what our God is like. And in the New Testament, God designs this thing called church, a team who will show what he is like and and be what he is like, to be his hands and to be his feet, not as just individuals, but as a church together, to be this, this community that shows the world what God is like. So following Jesus is a personal thing, but it is a group thing. It is a communal thing. It is a team thing. We're just going to read a few uh, passages just to kick us off. And we're not going to spend too long talking about these as such. We'll refer to them later. But just to kind of just get our minds into gear, just kind of what we're talking about this morning. So this first passage is from Matthew chapter 4. And this is just a few scriptures of when Jesus was putting together his uh, team of disciples. So Matthew 4:18 says that as Jesus was walking beside the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, it says, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and he followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said that it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Let's just pray quickly before we carry on. Lord Jesus, thank you um, that you are doing something at the moment in our church. God, I thank you that even in the past few weeks, God, there is growth that has happened in our life. God, and I pray that you would bless that growth. I pray that we would grow more. Father God, I pray that even in this room where things have uh, got dry, where things have uh, died, where people have kind of stopped stuff and laid it aside, God, I pray that this morning would be a morning where you breathe new life into places of our life that might have grown cold and where you want to see growth. So I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. In 2019, where we are at the moment, last time I checked, I think um, it's fair to say that we are probably the most connected generation that has ever existed in the history of the world. In 2019, through the internet and through our phones and uh, tablets, whatever it might be, we can just pick up the phone and we can call someone the other side of the world, in a second. We've got things like Skype and FaceTime where we can talk to anyone anywhere at any time and see their face. We have um, you know, your Facebook and whatever it might be, Twitter, where you can be in touch in a second with people you don't even know. Just celebrities, whatever it might be, you can get real-time information and communication from them quicker than it might even come down the TV. We've got things like, even things like dating apps and things like that that people use, where we're just connected to people, whoever we want to connect with, we've got a way to connect with these people at a split second, wherever we are, before we've even got out of bed in the morning. I was watching um, something on TV a while ago, and I was talking, it was, it was some sport, and I was talking to my brother in Canada at the same time, and his stream was three minutes ahead of mine, but it was happening two minutes down the road. I don't know how that happened, but like he wasn't able to tell me the score in case he spoiled it. The world is... It's this incredibly small place in many ways. We are more connected than we have ever been. There are people that don't even go to church anymore because they think they can stay at home and they can do it in their bed. They can pick whatever preacher they want, whatever worship band they feel like listening to that day, and they can tailor make their own church experience whilst they've not even got out of their pajamas. This is the world which we live in. We live in the most connected society that there has ever been. But I think it's fair to say as well, and all the studies keep showing this, that we all We also seem to be living in the most lonely. We seem to be living in a time where there is depression and anxiety, social anxiety, which is all around us as people more and more lose the ability to talk to other human beings. You just take a normal day in the life of someone. A few years ago, it might have been that they got up and spent time with their family. Some people now are choosing not to do family. Why do you need family when you've got people connected all the way around? Some people might have used to go to work, to the office. Now they have remote working. They just stay at home. Then they would go to the gym and see some people that they know. Well, they subscribe to some sort of service where they do it in their own home now. They might have gone out and seen friends. Well, don't need to do that. We can see people. They might have gone to the bank, talked to the bank manager. Don't need to do that. Can do it all at home. And people more and more are seeming to lose this ability to be talking to people and to actually have conversations and to get out the house and and to integrate with other people. And being in a community is one thing. Like, it's really great. I'm sure we will agree that community is something we should do better, and we can talk about community. Community is incredibly important. But this morning, kinda, I'm going to hop even one stage further than that, and that is this whole, whole idea of team. Community might be sitting, having coffee with people. Team is when you've got a shared purpose, a shared goal, something that you're trying to work towards, build towards together. And it's when we are part of these teams, I believe with all my heart, I've seen this in my life, I've seen this in other people's life, it's when we are engaged with teams, all different kinds of teams, that we find that we grow. Now, this morning, we're going to talk about these different teams, These all kinds of teams that we're a part of in this room. It might be your family. It might be just your spouse. It might be a, a work team at work, your colleagues that you work with. It might be you've got in part of a sports team. Most of what I have been planning, although I was kind of trying to talk about all different teams in our life, honestly, most of it is about church and church team, because that's kind of where my heart is, and I think that's where most of the scriptures are pointing towards. But most of this does fit for all different types of team, but most of it is going to be around the concept of church and that team. So we're going to look at a few things this morning, because I think most of us will agree, as I've been talking this morning already, that teams are a positive thing. Community is a positive thing. There are all kinds of people that are trying to develop community in their areas because they're aware that things have dried up in that sense. You see a library that closes and people are contesting for them because there are people that are recognizing that we are missing community. But this morning we're going to look at community, but we're going to look at team, that thing where there's that shared purpose, that shared goal. And what we're going to look at I've just picked out three things, and this is kind of um, things that Jack touches on in his book, Um, but there are more things we could list, but three things that I think keep us from being a part of teams, things that stop us from engaging, whatever it might be, with teams. The list could be many, but there's just sort of three things uh, which we're going to look at particularly this morning. And the first thing that we're going to look at, the first thing that I think that stops us Prevents us, that discourages us, that holds us back from wanting to engage in teams, whether it be family, work, sports, church. The first thing that I think stops us getting involved in teams is people. (laughs) I don't know if you'll notice, but usually teams are made up of people most of the time, unless you watch certain children's television programs, which I'm exposed to far too much. Most teams are made up of people. And not many of us, as I said, will agree, the idea of team is fantastic, but then you think, oh, but she's there, and he's there, and oh, and they're going to be there. And this gets frustrating because people, have, oh, I don't know where you've noticed this, people can be frustrating, people can be annoying, people can be late, people can be rude, people can be early, people can be all these different things that can wind us up. Some people steal the limelight. I just want to be there, but that person's always stealing the limelight. They might have different opinions on Brexit than you. They might have different political opinions than you at different times. They might have different parenting approaches. They might have more money than you have and then you find that frustrating because you want the money that they've got. They might live in an area of the city which you want to live in, but you can't live in. All these different things that make us think, oh, don't want to see that person. They make me feel awkward. They make me do all the talking. They never buy the coffee. I always got to buy the coffee. People can be so irritating. And I think the first thing that stops us from getting involved with teams or from retreating from the teams that we are a part of is people. People being people. But what we notice Um, just looking at the New Testament, is the people in Jesus' team, his disciples, they were not perfect either. It's so easy to think, well, my team's the problem. If I was in another team, it'd be fine because he's not there and she's not there, but we always find that he and she usually are in the other team as well because people are just people wherever you go. But if we look at Jesus' team, the disciples, they fought for position. They fell asleep when Jesus told them to pray. They misunderstood his teachings. They disobeyed his orders. Peter denied Jesus, Thomas doubted Jesus, Judas betrayed Jesus. The disciples, Jesus' team, were flawed human beings, yet still Jesus chose to select a team. Jesus, knowing what people were like, Jesus was a person himself, he knew what people were like. He could have done the mission all by himself, but he chose, despite the failings, to use a team and the mistakes that were made that i just listed they were never enough for jesus just to fire them and throw them out of the team after they rejected and left him at the, at the um, Easter story, after the resurrection, Jesus still came back and he met them for breakfast. He still wanted to be with his team. Despite all what had gone on, all the failings, all the times that people had been people, that had been people and people and all the people stuff that people do, Jesus still wanted to use his team. He still wanted to be part of that team. He still wanted to bring that team on with what it was that he was doing. It's so true that your team will hurt you. Again, family, at work, in church, whatever it might be, all different teams that we're part of. Your team will hurt you. They will annoy you. Your team will frustrate you. Jack wrote a little about that in the book, about how the team here can frustrate them at times. I know that's true. Um, It can disappoint you, but people will be people. People make up teams, and God wants to use people. God wants to use us I that's great news. God could do it a whole different way, but God chooses to use people like me and people like you in his teams. we're going to look at Ephesians chapter four for a minute Ephesians, Ephesians chapter four verse one and this is Paul writing and he says that as a prisoner for the Lord then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And then Paul goes on in the next few passages to talk about how God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to grow the church and to to see us to a place of maturity so that we would actually grow as people, we're talking about growth, so that we could grow as a church and to grow as people. And then in verse 15, it says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is, the held, who, who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up as each part does its work. So here we see in the context of team, Paul writing to a church, writing to people, saying how we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him. Who is the head? And that is Christ. This is a thing that we do together in church. We do it together. Paul, in the New Testament, we've talked about this lots. We use the analogy of a body. Like the body, different parts of the body. Some, you know, you might not see other parts of the body, but they all have a job, they all have a role, they all have a function. And if one's missing, the other one doesn't work, the church is a body. We all have a part to play in the team. And we need each other. If we want to get the job done, the mission which we have on our team, serving the King of Kings and his kingdom, we have a mission, we have a goal, we have a purpose. And if we want to see these things happen, it will not happen if you try to do it on your own. It needs us to be a team. Yesterday, I was just at home uh, and, and Hugo's got his train track and he wanted me to help him build it. And I mean, he's, he's three, nearly four. And it was one of these things, I, some of you have been there, I was kind of building the train track. And if I had just built the train track, I could have done that in probably two, three minutes flat and we could have been on our way. But he wanted to help me. He wanted to be a part of it. And, and so I kind of let him, and it took a lot longer with him doing it with me than it would have taken if I did it by myself. But he wanted to help. I could have just put it together, but he got the pieces, put the wrong way around, and let's go this way, let's try this, let's do this. But you see, for him, the purpose wasn't just to get the train track done. It was about what happened whilst we were building the train track. And there might even be times, yes, to, to see our vision as a church, we need to work as a team. There might be instances where you think, I could just do this by myself. And and sometimes, you know, that might even have some truth to it. But the growth as a team comes when we do it together. It's what happens when we are going as a team. The, 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 the stories we have, the adventures we have, the shared experiences is what makes a team a team. So sometimes, you're right, it might even be quicker to do it by yourself. But it's about what is happening whilst we are being team. So growth will come when we are a part of the team and we are a part of people. The second word that I want us to look at, so the first reason that I think um, we withhold from teams is people. The second word is comfort. Comfort. Um, in the book, Jack says that people stop growing when the price becomes too high. People stop growing when the price becomes too high. So as I said, a healthy team is a team that is working towards something. They have purpose and they have a mission. Now one of the saddest things um, in leadership which you see is that when you see that there are people who are involved, people part of a team, people that are um, in whatever ways that they're doing, they're here, they're there, they're doing this, that and the other. But then at some point you notice something has changed. So They're still turning up. They still might be doing their thing. They still might be arriving at the right time and doing their job that they're meant to be doing, ticking the box. But something of the mission, of the goal, just seems to have been lost. They might still be turning up, appearing. They might be a connect group. They might be doing all the things that they were doing before. But there's no passion. There's no drive. There's no desire. There's no heart. They just seem to be going through the motions and phoning it in. It's so sad when you see this happen because it's at this point, as Jack says, that the growth stops. People stop growing when the price becomes too high. It's so frustrating. If you've been a part of a team where there's a team member that is just, just phoning it in, they're just going through the motions, they're not pulling their weight, they're not doing what they once did, and the team suffers when that happens. When someone isn't doing their bit, the team will always suffer. The growth stops, and we just settle into our own routines, our own little world, our own comfort zones. We're going to quickly look at um, Mark chapter 10, verse 17. This is a story on the rich young ruler. There's loads of stuff that happens in this story. We've not got time to unpack it, but we're just going to briefly look um, at this passage which Jack talks about in his book as well. So Mark chapter 10, verse 17, and it says that as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother great wealth. Now we are not got time as I said to unpack this massively so don't get caught up on different things. There's loads that's going on here, loads of context um, toward I think what Jesus is saying when he challenges him to sell everything, give it to the poor, things like this. We can talk about that another time. We've talked about it before but this morning we just want to focus on that basic fact in this story that this guy, he came to Jesus and he was uh, asking Jesus questions, he was inquiring but the minute the price became too high he left. He walked away. The cost was too much for him. He walked away from Jesus, and Jesus, in an amazing way, watched him walk away. He didn't chase after him. He watched him walk away. And that is because there is a cost to being in a team. There is a price to being in a team. In your home, in your families, there is a price to being in a team. In your workplace, there is a price that you pay to being an effective member of a team. It requires of us. It requires our time. It requires our effort. Our, sometimes our money. Sometimes petrol. Sometimes it might be missing something on TV that night to be with the team. Laying other things down. But nothing is more valuable than the growth that we get from being in a team. I promise you that in my years um, as being involved in leadership in a team, I can promise you people grow when they are part of a team. When they're a part of a team, when they're doing life with each other, when they're laughing, when they're eating together, when they're traveling somewhere together, when they've got to have a WhatsApp group to arrange what time is it, seven o'clock, is it half past seven? All these tiny little things that can seem so unspiritual, that can seem so normal, that can seem so just like... just. Piffy things of life. These things is what makes us grow as a team and grow as individuals. I've seen it time and time again. So I'm just going to quick challenge. If you are a part of the church and you feel like you are not growing, my first question is, are you part of a team? Are you doing anything? Are you involved? Because time and time again, I've seen that that is where we get our growth. Third thing I want us to look at, another fun word after the word of comfort is pride. I think pride often keeps us from engaging in teams. Um, In his book, Jack talks um, about this story about Febreze, you know, the stuff we spray and about how Febreze, that means Febreze, uh, Febreze and how Febreze came about. And he said that um, in the story, I wasn't aware of this story, but Febreze, it had three teams that were involved in getting Febreze to be a successful product that it was. It had people that discovered the product and then they had people that tried to sell the product and they couldn't realize why it wasn't selling. They only um, solved this problem when they had had a marketing team who could find the solution of why it wasn't being sold. And it needed three different teams to work together to find the solution to make Febreze a successful product which it is today. And in that one story, we see that a team is more than just you, me, and I. A team is more than just ourselves. It needs other people, other skills, other gifts, other um, types of people, whatever it might be, other teams even, that can work together. To solve our problem, to make us successful as a team. We often, many of us, we often um, don't like the idea that we can't do it all ourselves. We want to be able to do it all ourselves. We don't want to have to rely on anyone else. And there are many people in today's world that work hard. They work long hours. They work and they work and they work hard, 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 all so they can reduce their dependency on another human being. So they can just basically feel like they can do anything themselves and that they rely on no one. Pride keeps us from a team. Teamwork is admitting that you can't do it all by yourself. Brene Brown uh, says that wherever perfectionism is driving us, shame is riding shotgun. (laughs) Wherever perfectionism is driving us, shame is riding shotgun. Sometimes it's having to mix with people that are different than us. At the start, we read those accounts of Jesus um, um, meeting his disciples and asking them to join him. So we've got fishermen and we've got tax collectors on a team together. Now, my guess is that they would have not been natural fits in society to be spending time with each other. But Jesus had a team that had fishermen and had tax collectors. You might be in a connect group that has got people that are completely different to you, different professions, different backgrounds, different whatever it might be. But it's not not unusual. Jesus put together a team with all kinds of different people, with all kinds of different issues and different pasts. But that's what he decided to do when he made, put together his team of disciples. Being in a team means that sometimes we've got to adapt our schedule. It means we've got to adapt our ideals, adapt our preferences. Why should I change my plans? Why should I be, I've got to be here, I've got to be there. I've I've got other things I could be doing. I'm busy, I've got things to do. Why should I be the one that has to change my plan for the team? A team forces us. It forces us. It challenges our pride and our stubbornness. Maybe it's not so much pride, but it's that horrible thing, inverted pride. Well, you know, what difference can I make? You know, they don't need me. I can't do anything. There's, you know, it's poor old me. I haven't got a gift. I can't help. They don't need me. They can do it without me. I can't do anything. Inverted pride. It's completely different, but also like from the same place of pride. A few years ago, um, I went to uh, watch an orchestra. I know. Um, and it was, a, it was at Christmas. Uh, and I think I watched it on Home Alone where, they, where he's watching the orchestra play Christmas songs. And I think in my mind I wanted to recreate that. But I went in, it was a big orchestra that were playing all the Christmas songs and it's, you know, I thought it would be magical and wonderful. And it, it kind of was. But I remember sit, sitting there watching the orchestra. And they're all playing as they do, and the music's filling the room, and it's fantastic. The, the violins are there all at the front. They're going for it, and there's trumpet. They're going for having a great time. There's a guy with a drum all the way through. Boom, boom, boom. But right in the corner of the orchestra, there was this one guy in a tuxedo holding a triangle, right? And he was stood there, and, and then he was, he was stood there like this, just, you know, all very formal. And then every now and then, he kind of just went, and, it, and, it, and he had this little kind of like, hmm. <laughs> and, then, and then a minute would go by, two minutes would go by. And I honestly, he probably hit the thing six times in about ten minutes. But he said that he had all the gear on, that he was part of the team. Bless him, he was doing his job. Now, I just think that, that guy there, I saw that guy and I thought, that is a man who has not got a lot of pride <laughs> in the best kind of way. Like, he, he was willing to stand there with that thing Ding. While all the rest of the orchestra were getting the highlight, like the limelight, the solo parts, you know, you get the bit where the flute comes in and it's all nice. Ding! And he loved it. You could tell he was having a great time. But there are some times when we're a part of a team, there are roles for us, there are jobs where we're not going to get the limelight. We're not going to be the one that's getting the solo part. But the piece of music is not going to be the same without it. Ding. That's all it might be, but there are times when you're on a team where you need to lay your pride down and, and do roles like this. And this, I think, is what one of the reasons that stops us from wanting to be in teams because we don't want to be that guy. We don't want to be the person that has to sit on the side of the stage holding a triangle. Ting. We want we want a bigger role. We want something more to do. Something. My time's busy. I'm busy. I'm worth more than that. But there are times when we're in teams. ...that we need to be able to do these different jobs... And this is why I, one of the main reasons I think that God loves to use team, because it forces us, it presses hard against our pride sometimes. It presses hard against it and it gets uncomfortable. And it's like, I just want to go and do my own thing on my own time, my own way. I've got a smartphone. I don't need a team. I can just do everything that I need. I can do on my phone. But I think that is why God champions this idea of being part of team's in life. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. In humility, value others above yourself. I love the way the message puts this passage. It says, If you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. I heard a great story um, a few years ago. I was listening to um, a guy, Mike Pellavachi. Many of you be familiar with him. And he was preaching. And he was talking about once he went to preaching um, at a conference some, somewhere in the world. And he'd flown there. He arrived. He was tired. He just wanted to go to bed. He was jet lagged. And he got there. And when he got there, he realized that the Hillsong team were there as well. And he said, he was quite honest. He said, at the time, he thought he wasn't really into Hillsong. He thought it was a bit noisy, a bit showy, a bit, you know, lights and wasn't his sort of thing. He thought we do the proper worship. You know, we don't need Hillsong. Thank you very much. But when he arrived, he saw the Hillsong team, you know, these Hillsong teams sold all these albums and Conferences, whatever it might be, but he saw them when they arrived. They were jet lagged as well, just as tired as he was, but how they were um, operating as a team. And he said that they were um, helping move the tables, getting ready for the conference. They were seeing however they could serve, what, what they could do. And he, he overheard conversations that they were having, the different worship leaders saying, Do you know what? You should lead worship tonight. You know, that it's great. But no, 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 no. You, you should lead. I did it last time. They love it when you lead. You lead that song so well. And they were like arguing over which one of them should have the. The opportunity to lead the worship. And he said, he confessed, he was so challenged by the way that they operated as a team. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. As we uh, move to the end now, I just wanted to, just to just to close in on this a little bit, just this idea of team and team being growth. And I think some of us have retreated from our teams. Consciously, unconsciously, I don't know. It might be um, that you're a father at home and in some capacity, you've retreated from your team. You might still be going through the motions, doing the same thing, the little jobs that you're meant to be doing. But in some way, You've retreated. It might be um, at work. It might be in the team that you're involved in, where once you saw it as your your mission and something that God had placed you in a company, placed you in a profession to be a difference maker. And you wanted to try. You wanted to live out that scripture where it talks about doing all things as doing for God. And and you've kind of just retreated. You're still turning up. You're still doing the job. But that heart of what you're doing, you've lost it. It might be in church. That once you were passionate about something that you felt God had put on your heart, but over the weeks, months, years, you've retreated. And again, you're still turning up, still showing up, still doing the things that's been asked of you, which is great, but the passion, the heart, the desire, that sense of a goal, of a collective mission as a team, something we're trying to do. It's just been lost a bit. You've retreated from it. It's really frustrating um, when you're in a team and someone is it, it, just not doing their bit. Um, I, I, I tried, I tried my absolute best in this when it, when, it's, when I was talking about a team to not use football analogies. I really tried my best, but but the, the thing that came to mind was how frustrating it is as a football team. But this could be any any team sport, any whatever you fancy, pick a big t- sport, you can use this analogy. But when someone they use the fr- the commentator often uses the phrase he's gone missing. He's gone missing. He's on the pitch. He's got the kit on. He's there. He's running around, but he's gone missing. It's when someone isn't taking ownership, when they're just waiting for somebody else to do it, where they're not putting the everything into it anymore. They're just kind of going through the motions, just doing the minimal, enough to get by. But that is not going to help a team to win trophies. That is not going to help a, a team, a company to be successful. It is not going to help a church that has a mission and a goal to see people saved, to see Preston turned around for Jesus. When we when we cop out, when we don't show up, when we go missing, when we focus it in, when we go through the motions, the team doesn't win. The team doesn't win. And this is the most frustrating thing. As the band comes, just one scripture that we're going to finish on. And this is the big one that Jesus lays out for us. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. It says here that Jesus went through all the towns he went through all the villages, teaching, proclaiming good news, healing people, seeing sickness, people being been set free from all these things. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion. He had compassion because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. There are people in Preston, there are people in your workplaces, there are people in your households that are lost, that are hurting, and as a church, as a team, we've got to grow in this area. This is a place where we need to see growth, as a team, where we're showing up, where we're not going missing. And we just ask God again to set our hearts on fire for him and what he is doing in the different areas of our life. Because there is no area in your life that is just an empty void place of some place that God wants to see come alive. God wants to see your your nine to five work, whatever that looks like. Whatever hours, your your professional life, the bit in your life where you have to go to get money. God doesn't want that just to be a place where you go to get money. He wants that to be where we are part of teams, where where we're a part of things happening in our communities. He wants to see in our families, in our households, not just to be placed where your role is to put breakfast on a table and to make sure clothes are laid out, to make sure there's lunch on the table, to make sure he or she can get to the whatever place they need to get to on time. It's not just to be there for grandkids. It's not just to be there for nephew and niece, whatever it might be. God wants to see our families as being a place where he is glorified, a place where lives are changed, where we are operating as a team. And in a church, in the church, he wants the church to be a place that shows the world what he is like, where we be his hands and where we be his feet, not just spectators, not just observers, observers but people who are a part of a team. And this might sound very tiring, like, oh, no, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. But the, the clue to this was in the title, growth through teamwork. It's the growth that you will get from this, the growth that you get when you put yourself to the mission, when you, the growth that you get when you say, right, that's it, I'm going to do this. I want to be part of the team. I want to show up. I want to do my bit. I want to do my best for the team. That is where the team is worth far more than the sum of its parts. And we can once again be a successful, thriving team. Let's stand and let's pray before we sing. Lord Jesus, I thank you for all the gifts that are in this room right now. All the people listening on the podcast. God, I thank you that we are all a part of your body. Different parts of the body with different jobs, different functions, but no one part of the body It's without purpose. God, I just want to pray anyone in this room that is feeling like their purpose has run dry, whether it through fatigue, whether it's through frustration of people, whether it's through uh, pride, whether it's through their comfort being their challenged, whether it be through their health, whether it be through their age, whether it be through life circumstances, whether it be heartache, whether it be terrors, which we looked at last week, whatever it might be, I want to pray, God, and declare that this is a season of growth. This is a season of growing more and more and more into the likeness of King Jesus. I declare, I speak, this is a season of moving from the old things into the new things. I declare this is a season where all the lies of the past are going to fall And be replaced by the hope and the promise of future, of a future of purpose, of a future of being a part of the church of Jesus. Doing wonderful things. I speak, God, that from this church we are going to see lives changed. We're going to see people who do not um, profess to know Jesus begin to know Jesus as their Savior. We're going to see lives changed. Because you are at work in this city of Preston and all these surrounding places. I believe, God, that you are at work. God is at work in this generation, at this time, in your life, in your family, in your office, in your street. God is at work. Holy Spirit, move now, I pray, in every single life. Point your finger, God, at us in any way. Show us, reveal us. Show to us, God, anywhere in our heart that needs to just come back to you and say, God, I want to follow your ways. I want to follow your ways. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. So much of the time it feels like that is not true in our day and age with all the stuff that's going on with everyone with their jobs and their gadgets and their mentalities and secularism, whatever it might be. But the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So this morning, God, I pray that workers come back again to say, God, I want to be a part of your team. Use me. Here I am, God, use me. And may we see growth in this room, growth in our church, growth in our city, growth in this nation, growth on this planet. In Jesus' name, amen.